Welcome to Expositional Excerpts. I'm your host, Matthew Pilch. I pastor Grace Fellowship Baptist Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Let's dive into the Word. In today's episode, we will be picking up our text in Genesis 24 as we continue to follow the story of Abraham's servant who he sends away back to his homeland to find a wife for his son Isaac. And we've seen how God answered the prayer of the servant, and now he is going to follow Rebekah home because she has given him water and watered his camels also. And he's discovered that she is of the proper lineage, so everything's going according to plan, but now we have to see the rest of it come together. So it's very important now to stay on task. Uh, Just because you begin to see something happen doesn't mean that that's the end of it. I think that's really the big lesson here. And so in verses 28 down through 60, that's right, 32 verses, uh, we're going to see that believers must give priority to completing God's work, or to rephrase it, as I just said, we need to stay on task. And we see this come out here in this incredible story. Let's just start reading, and then we'll kind of work our way through the text. Verse 28, then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. Rebekah had a brother whose name was Laban. Laban ran out toward the man to the spring. As soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms and heard the words of Rebekah, his sister, thus the man spoke to me. He went to the man, and behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. He said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord. Why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man came to the house and unharnessed the camels and gave straw and fodder to the camels, and there was water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Then food was set before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have said what I have to say. He said, Speak on. We'll pause right there for a moment and just make a couple of observations. And the first is this, uh, that we, even though we are going to stay on point, and that's our job as believers, and that's what this man is doing, the first thing that we should be willing to do is receive hospitality. Hospitality is one of the gifts that God has given to the church, among the people of the church. Everybody has different gifts. Some people are strong in that area. Some people are teachers. Some people have mercy. Uh, There's other gifts, but hospitality is one of those things. I can tell you this, that even though I know how to do it, uh, by the way, giving is a gift and we all have to do that. Some people are actually gifted in it, but it doesn't absolve those uh, who don't have the gift from giving at all, right? So we understand that. But when it comes to hospitality, I'm not, it's, it's not natural to me. Uh, I, I know people who have that gift and I am just always amazed by them because they do show incredible hospitality and it is just innate. God has gifted them as a blessing to the church and, and to many others. But there's another side to it. If you don't have the gift, you may feel awkward receiving hospitality and I'm not saying that that was the case here for Abraham's servant, 
But what we have to recognize is that there are times when people are going to offer hospitality and we should be willing to take it. And of course, we see that more in that culture. We saw that with Abraham and Sarah when the three angels uh, come to him before the events of Sodom and Gomorrah and they say, come in and they prepare a meal for them and so forth. Uh, So we see hospitality as a part of that culture, but we ought to be willing to receive hospitality. So as as Rebecca's brother, Laban, and of course you recognize Laban from later, uh, right? Jacob is going to find his wives and he's going to go to Laban and, uh, and, and find his wives from Laban's children. But as this happens, then there is this hospitality. Why do you stand outside? Verse 31, I've prepared the house and a place. So he comes there and they unharness the camels. They give them straw and fodder and they wash his feet and they wash the feet uh, of the men who are with him. Now we know he has other servants that we alluded to in the previous passage. So he's receiving this hospitality. And of course, then beyond that, not only is he being given the things that he's going to need for the night, but food is now set before him, verse 33. But that's just where it ends right there. He's willing to receive it up to a point. But that brings a second observation. Not only should believers be willing to receive hospitality at the hands of others, but they should speak with confidence and authority. And he said, I will not eat until I have said what I have to say. Uh, and so Laban says, speak on. And what we see here is that he's remaining committed to the task that is before him. He has come there from a long ways away for one purpose and one purpose only, and he needs to get that stated. So he's got to stay on point. He's got to give priority to completing God's work and the task that was set before him. And so he is encouraged to speak on. So now in verse 34, let's see what he has to say. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master and he has become great. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male servants and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old. And to him, he has given all that he has. My master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell, but you shall go to my father's house and to my clan and take a wife for my son. But I said to my master, Perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, The Lord before whom I have walked will send his angel with you and prosper your way. You shall take a wife for my son from my clan and from my father's house. Then you will be free from my oath when you come to my clan. And if they will not give her to you, then you will be free from my oath. I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now you are prospering the way that I go, behold, I am standing by the spring of water. Let the virgin who comes out to draw water to whom I shall say, please give me a little water from your jar to drink. And who will say to me, Drink, and I will draw for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Before I had finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rebekah came out with her water jar on her shoulder, and she went down to the spring and drew water. And I said to her, Please let me drink. She quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will give your camels drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camels drink also. Then I asked her, Whose daughter are you? She said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. 
So I put the ring on her nose and bracelets on her arms. Then I bowed my head and worshipped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me by the right way to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. Now then, if you are going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me, and if not, tell me, that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. That takes us down through verse 49. So he recounts basically everything that had happened and gets the whole thing out so that they can all know who he is, what business he has been sent on, uh, the reason that he reacted the way that he did by putting the nose ring on her and the bracelets, and why he was so eager to come to her home. Uh, All of that is laid out. There are a couple interesting things here, uh, like the nose ring, And the bracelets, just a symbol of the culture and, you know, obviously nice gifts here. Interesting uh, little caveat on prayer, by the way. He had been praying, which we know and we had discussed in a previous episode. In verse 45, did you catch what he said? He said, before I had finished speaking in my heart. In other words, not all prayer is audible. He is calling out to the Lord in his heart. Uh, God sees the, the innermost parts of man. He searches our heart. He can hear the thoughts that we have. He knows our thoughts, which means that we can pray to him uh, quietly and in our heart as well. It's, it's an interesting thing to take note of that we, we see just that little insight into prayer when that's not even the focus of this passage, but it is fascinating to take note of. So after he says all that, nothing here is new to us, but he recounts the whole thing. It's actually kind of similar in narrative style to what we see later on in the book of Genesis, actually in chapter 41, where in the Joseph section, the the whole Joseph Toledoth, uh, actually it's the Jacob Toledoth, uh, so what becomes, uh, what happens to the line of Jacob or the generations of Jacob, right? And so Joseph's a part of that. That goes from chapter 37, I believe, all the way to the end of of the book. But so it's right there in that section. You, you remember how he gets sold to his brothers and he ends up in Potiphar's house. And then from Potiphar's house, he ends up in Pharaoh's prison. He interprets a couple dreams there for the baker and the cupbearer. And then later on, Pharaoh has a dream, and we're told in chapter 41 what the contents of his dream are. And then we go through all the narrative, and then Joseph uh, comes up, and we get the whole dream again. Like, like we didn't know it already, right? And then we're told it again. So it's, it's an interesting literary device here because we're, we're basically being told everything that we already knew uh, from the beginning of this chapter and everything that had led up to that point. But it's also not only to drive home the fact that these things really did happen in that way, but to also illustrate that as he's telling the story to uh, both Laban and Bethuel, that it doesn't change. He's not, he's not doctoring the story in any way. So he, he gives the account of that. He speaks with authority all the way through verse 49, And then as we continue moving in through the text here, we see in verse 50 that believers must not be quick to dismiss the work of the Lord. Notice what happens after he gives this account. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, the thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you good or bad. This response uh, from them that they cannot speak either good or bad. 
those who fear the Lord, even if the things that they are hearing may not sit with them uh, very well right away. The point is, is if it's clearly of the Lord, then we ought to at least be willing to consider that. And so it really demonstrates faith. Obviously, the servant of Abraham has faith, but now we're seeing faith uh, by both Laban and Bethuel. Uh, this thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you good or bad. We show, we see, I should say, observe the slightest bit of perhaps hesitation. I mean, no one wants to just out of the blue, all of a sudden, you know, lose a sister or a daughter uh, because somebody came along and said, this is of the Lord. I'm going to take her back with me and you may never see her again. Uh, that's, you know, there, there's a lot here, but if, if it does appear to be from the Lord, then you don't want to dismiss the work of the Lord either. So we continue on verse 51, behold, Rebecca is before you take her and go and let her be the wife of your master's son as the Lord has spoken. All right. So that's their answer now that they consider it. And they said, okay, that's all well and good. Verse 52, when Abraham's servant heard their words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord. And the servant brought out jewelry of silver and gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave to her brother and to her mother costly ornaments. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank, and they spent the night there. When they arose in the morning, he said, send me away to my master. Her brother and mother said, let the young woman remain with us a while, at least 10 days. After that, she may go. But he said to them, do not delay me since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. They said, let us call the young woman and ask her. And they called Rebekah and said to her, will you go with this man? She said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister and their nurse, and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate him. Then Rebekah and her young women arose and rode on the camels and followed the man. Thus the servant took Rebekah and went his way. As we watch this interaction then uh, between the family members and all that's unfolding, and we hear this answer, we see another principle emerge that more answered prayer must be met with worship. Clearly, the servant of Abraham has discerned that this is from the Lord. It is already an answer to his prayer. And now the Lord has gone before him in giving him the blessing and the favor of, Re of Rebekah's family. And we see clearly in verse 52 that when he hears this, he bows himself to the earth before the Lord. Again, a posture of humility, a physical posture of worship. And this is accompanied by all the things that he brought with him, the, the ornaments, the jewelry, the silver, the gold, all of this. And then he is still staying on task here, on point. He accepts the hospitality, as we've seen earlier. He eats and he drinks with them. And we see that the ate and he drank in verse 54. But now it's time to continue on. It's a long journey ahead. And he says, now it's time to go. And there's a little bit of hesitation. I mean, again, it's a lot to suddenly process. And he wants to leave the next morning. You know, we can appreciate how that would be jarring on the one hand. And thankfully, they don't want to stand in the way they stand by their reaction earlier. This thing has come from the Lord back in verse 50. And so they say, even though we don't want this, let the young woman come. Let Rebecca come and answer for herself. And she says, I will go with them. And so they send her on the way. 
The familial blessing that we see in verse 60 is also of note. They blessed Rebekah and said to her, our sister, this is kind of a prayer, right? This is a prayer to the God of Abraham, the God who created heaven and earth. May you become thousands of ten thousands. And this is in typical keeping with the custom of the day, but it's interesting because this is totally in keeping with the blessing and the covenant promise that God had made to Abraham. And, you know, it's one thing that you do wish upon somebody as, as somebody is being uh, entering into the marriage contract that you wish that they would be fruitful. This is part of the Edenic mandate to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth. So may you become thousands of ten thousands is to say, may you have many children and may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate him. In other words, may God bless you and grant you not only success and, uh, you know, lots of children, but may you have the ability to have military success. May you have authority, economic success over your enemies they're they're really asking the Lord's blessing on her, and we see that this is a blessing that he is all too willing to to grant because it's in keeping with the blessing that he and and the promise and the covenant that he has made with Abraham. All right, well, that brings us then to verse sixty one which we did read all the way through the end of the chapter, verse sixty seven. Let's just go ahead and cover that now because I don't think it merits its own episode. Then Rebecca and her young women arose and rode on the camels and followed the man. Note now that we are given a little bit of uh, insight as to why he brought the camels. He was expecting the Lord to answer him and to be favorable to him and the, the prayer and the wish of his master Abraham. And it was so that they would have uh, a steed to ride back on. So, you know, there's confidence in the answered prayer as he's leaving. Uh, that That's interesting in and of itself. Thus the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Verse 62, now Isaac had returned from Beer Lehi Roy and was dwelling in the Negev, that's the southern desert. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field toward evening. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes. And when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself, and the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. In this last little section of this narrative, now we see them making the return journey home, which may have taken weeks, uh, probably did, you know, to be at that pace. And with a, a caravan, even a small caravan, it's gonna, there's going to be a lot there uh, that, that's going to go into that logistically speaking. But we don't spend time on, on, on the time that it took. We just note that he made it to where he's supposed to go. Now he makes it back. But we see this in verses 61 to 67, that believers may rest assured that God will complete the good work he has begun. Of course, we take this type of uh, principle here from Philippians chapter 1. The God who has begun a good work in us will perform it, will keep it until the day of Jesus Christ. He will continue. Uh, he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion to the day of Jesus Christ. God will complete the good work that he has begun. So he gives them safety on the way back. I mean, think about that. That's the first aspect. They've got to make it back. They have to have safety from marauding bands that they might encounter along the way. 
And then they have to make it back here and God has to protect Isaac through all of that so that there can be a, a marriage that happens at, at all. And uh, we see them coming back into this area. We have the geography. It's very similar to, to where we left Abraham before at the, the death of, of Sarah in the southern region of the land of Canaan and the Negev there is that southern desert region uh, right there on the border. He goes out in the field, all of that, nothing really to read much into there, but he sees the camels coming, knows that this messenger of his, or the servant of his father has been sent out. It's been weeks now, no doubt. And now the camels are returning. She sees him, covers up her face. And now he hears of all the things that have happened. And he is just thrilled. I mean, God, God brings about an incredible answer to prayer brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebecca, and she became his wife. And and now uh, we see this. He loved her, and he was comforted after his mother's death. God is faithful uh, to complete the thing that he has begun. And so we see another uh, piece falling into place of that promise that God had made to Abraham, that he would not only give him a son, but that from that uh, son, he would give him many nations. And now he has brought him a wife, in really nothing short of a miraculous way to ensure that uh, he's not, I guess, contaminated, tainted by the the peoples around him who do not fear the Lord. And now he's ready uh, to go on and have children of his own as God would bless and prosper him. Well, we made it all the way through the end of this chapter, a little bit longer of a chapter. Uh, In our next episode, we'll pick it up starting in chapter 25. This has been another podcast of expositional excerpts with Pastor Matthew Pilch. If you'd like more information, please visit our church website at gfbc.net.